Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Almost live from the trenches of New York City, here are your middle aged warriors, Chris Samino and Rick Summers. All right, welcome back. One more shot at uh, Middle Age Warriors on the Believe Podcast Network. And I'm Chris Samino, and you are? I am Rick Summers as we step up to the plate. You had to think about that, didn't you? I, I noticed I there was really, a little... <laughs> I had to think about who I am, yeah. You're not feeling like yourself today, are you? You know, I got to tell you, more often than not, uh, the, the, the synapses are just not firing. And I don't know if it's medication, exhaustion, old age, middle age. I don't I know. It's, maybe it's winter. We need everything to thaw out. What people can't see is Rick's decided to play with his background today, which I really haven't gotten into, but I probably should. But then I'd be so distracted. And he has a nice, beautiful tropical scene behind me. He's on the beach. The waves are gently crashing behind his ear. And I'm getting very jealous, even though it's That's not good. reality. Yeah, <laughs> I know it's real. It's easy to be jealous of uh, non-reality. Of yeah. fantasy. Fantasy, actually, yeah. Well, yeah. speaking of traveling and going places, that's really sort of what our guest is based in today, although we're going to talk about a lot of different things. Yeah. Robert Sinclair from AAA. And uh, you had come up with the idea of having Robert on the show. And why was that? You know what? He is uh, well-spoken, and I hear him interviewed a lot, and a lot of the news programs go to him uh, because he's a disciple about road travel and it's something that everybody is talking about now with gasoline prices mm -hmm. and car prices and just in general, you know, trying to plan for summer vacation and getaways and stuff like that. I thought he would be a really, really good guest. So I reached out to him and he couldn't have been more gracious and happier to join us. Yeah. So looking forward to that. I think this one really has some very good takeaway value. Not to not to discredit any of our wonderful past guests because they're they're all amazing. But this one has the type of thing you can actually take into your day-to-day -day life. Some some great ideas and some great thoughts about what we're dealing with, like you said, with uh, with these gas prices seemingly never ending on the launch pad. So uh, we're gonna get to our guest, but first of course we have to have a word from our all important sponsor. Well, it's that time of year as college basketball takes center stage with the tournament finally upon us. Now, if you're looking to wager this year, Bet Online is the number one spot for all your updated odds and info, along with great contests including the Bracket Contest, where you have a chance to take home the top prize. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE to get started. That's B-L-E-A-V. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. BetOnline, where the game starts. Well, we are so glad to welcome Robert Sinclair. He's been with AAA since, I believe, 2000. So welcome to our show. Welcome to Middle Thank Age you. Warriors. And you got thrown into the limelight for a multitude of reasons, and we are so glad to have you. But first and foremost, we'll jump right in with gas prices and, and where we're going and what it's going to be. Number one, thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it, and your, your kind words are much appreciated. Um, and gasoline prices, well, I guess we've started to moderate. Uh, the prices aren't going up as quickly as they have been. I always start with New York City, um, 451 per gallon, 
up only a penny from yesterday. Wow. Yeah. Huh. Um, all-time high price. Uh, we broke through $4 a gallon last week, Friday. And uh, that was the first time we had been there since 2014. Wow. Um, but uh, we broke through the all-time record of July 2008 on Tuesday, I believe it was, uh, 4.11 per gallon. And now we're at, no, sorry, 4.41 per gallon. And now we're at 4.51 per gallon. I guess it was Wednesday that we broke through that. So uh, all-time highs, national average 4.33, an all-time high. Long Island is at 4.47. Oh, that is an all-time high. <laughs> Connecticut, 448. That is oh. an all-time high. New Jersey has actually gone down two-tenths of a cent. Two-tenths. 437 <laughs> and seven-tenths. So they have actually backed off the all-time high, which was yesterday. Um, the thing that people don't mention a lot, I like to put in perspective now, is diesel. Because we're mm. seeing a lot of empty shelves, supply chain problems. And those empty shelves will be replenished by a diesel burning truck. And mm. diesel is at an all-time high nationally in New York City and Long Island and Connecticut and New Jersey. All the averages uh, going anywhere from 513 national diesel in New York City is 535 <laughs> per gallon. Uh, Connecticut 529, New Jersey 528, all all-time highs. So uh, that diesel fuel, you can, even if you don't drive, you're going to be affected by high fuel prices because everything from clothes to cars are delivered by truck. And you can hurry right. up and believe that driver is going to pass along that extra expense of filling his or her vehicle uh, to the consumer. And so it affects us all. So it's just really unbearable. Uh, we did a survey, just came out with a, a new survey back in March of 2018 during a good economy, we asked drivers what the pain point was for gasoline. 40% said $3 a gallon. We revisited that survey and now uh, let's see, 60% say $4 a gallon is the pain, pain point, hmm. which we have blown through. And 75% say $5 a gallon is the pain point. Hopefully we won't wow. get there. But right. uh, drivers have to make some sort of changes in order to be able to afford higher priced gasoline. 80% will drive less, but uh, some will carpool. Uh, they won't eat out. They will put off making a major purchase like a washing machine or a dryer or a stove or something like that. And they're combining their errands with their commutes. Mm. And those that can, if they have a smaller high mileage vehicle, they've switched to that vehicle. But so many families just don't have the elasticity in their budgets to deal with fluctuating gasoline prices the way we've seen. And uh, in most of the rest of the country, there's no public transportation alternative. So you're driving. So right. these high gasoline prices are just a killer. I was going, you know, I was going to ask the type of suggestions you could make to the average person in some way. How could they, you know, take their driving habits and make them more economical and more efficient to sort of counter some of this? By the way, uh, it's also amazing you put out those numbers. It's, I'm so happy to be part of history. <clears throat> no, but uh, the other side of this, and it always intrigues me because it seems when the, when the cost of a barrel of oil goes up, almost instantaneously, it goes up at the pump. When yeah. the price of the barrel goes down, it doesn't instantaneously go down. What is that all about? You're, you've noticed something very important here. Prices go up like a rocket and come down like a feather. Right. And it wasn't always that way. You know, I remember when crude oil, and I've been doing this job, next month will be 22 years. And I remember in the first couple, three years I did this job, 
there would be a four, a four to six week lag in between the price of crude oil going up and it being right. reflected as at the pump, you know, because crude oil prices are crude oil futures for oil that's going to be delivered 30 days out. And then that oil has to be refined into gasoline. So it's a four to six week process. Of course, that was when crude oil was $28, $29 a barrel. Now retailers, mm -hmm. they engage in something called inventory protection. You know, crude mm -hmm. oil is $105, $110 a barrel, and they see it go up. And so they jack up the price on the gasoline that's already bought and paid for and sitting in their tanks at their stations, theorizing that the next delivery is going to be that much more expensive. You have to realize that retailers are making money when the price goes down, not when it goes up. When the mm. price goes up, they're covering their expenses. When the price goes down, all right, now we've got the prices are going down. So the next load is going to be cheaper. But if I maintain a higher price, I'm making a little extra profit. And then sure. once that cheap gasoline comes in and, and gasoline stations probably get two or three deliveries a week, if they start getting cheap gas, but they maintain the high price, they're making money. So that's why you see that leisurely it reminds right. me of somebody who wants to borrow money. They borrow <laughs> desperately. Please, I need the money. I need it now. Hurry up, hurry up. And they pay back. Very slow. <laughs> all leisurely. Kind of like a loan shark. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I so that's that. why you, you see that okay. lag. It wasn't always that way. Right. Uh, and uh, But with when we were in the rarefied territory that we are now with these high numbers, this is what happens. Do you remember the mid seventies. So you grew up in the area, you're a New Yorker yep. as both Chris and I are um, yep. in the mid seventies, I guess it probably would have been 73, 74. Correct. Um, Arab oil embargo. Yeah. The oil mm -hmm. embargo and having to have odd and even days that your license yeah. plate would allow you to get gasoline and having to go wait online at the SO station. Yeah. That, and, and again, don't forget it happened again in 1979. Right. Um, so, yeah, I wasn't driving in 73. I was driving in 79 and it was hammer time. And, you know, I was just thinking that it was worse then because the vehicles got poor MPGs. But that's not necessarily the case because these big Mastodon SUVs that we have and, you know, the fuel economy might be the same as it was for those big gas guzzler sedans that we had back then. Uh, and that is a shame. And I think if there's any good that might come out of these high gasoline prices, and we might be stuck with high gasoline prices forever. If there's any good, it might wake Americans up to the fact that we need to wean ourselves mm -hmm. of these big gas guzzling vehicles. We don't need vehicles that are this big. You might remember the Obama administration had put into place MPG requirements when they first came in uh, back in 08, mm -hmm. and they said, by 2025, we have to get, I forget the number, 48, 49, 50 miles per gallon, something like that. <laughs> yeah, and the right. vehicle manufacturers were doing all sorts of great research and development work to make that happen. They were going to have to do things like have smaller turbocharged engines that were perhaps burning a greater percentage of ethanol in the fuel. 10% of our fuel is ethanol now. You know, they were talking about E40, E50, uh, that's higher octane, which means you need to have higher compression ratios in the engines. And they were doing all this great work, maybe diesels, diesels are magic engines, the same displacement diesel engine as a gasoline engine is going to get 20 to 40% better fuel economy, magic. 
So all that was going on. And then the last guy, you know, he put the kibosh on it. And now wouldn't you like to be able to get a vehicle that gets 48, 49 miles per (laughs) gallon in the next couple of years is going to be downright necessity. And Europe has kind of led the way. Uh, A lot of their vehicles are diesel. And I'm talking sedans, passenger cars. Um, And we need to have the same thing happen here. If they can do it, why can't we? I mean, we just just Mm. these huge vehicles are just wasteful. They're just unnecessary. The manufacturers make profit margins like the wazoo of them. Uh, I remember a few years ago, uh, GM was making an average of like ten to $12,000 profit per vehicle on big SUVs. Um, Mm. On the smaller, more fuel efficient vehicles, the profit margin isn't that large, but this is what we need to do. Yeah. Um, you know, they're talking, they're ch- uh, chastising the Biden administration. We're not drilling enough. We've got more than enough crude oil mm. to satisfy the needs of just the, the busiest day during the summer driving season. Refineries are operating at 98, 99% to keep up with demand, but they're oh. meeting demand. And that's with right. these big, heavy vehicles. If we suddenly magically changed our fleet, over to smaller, more fuel-efficient vehicles, we'd have more than enough oil, more mm. than enough gas- gasoline to keep up what, with demand. It's something we absolutely have to do. What about getting off the liquid gold eventually? Meaning, mm. where do you see electric cars going? Is that really something? You know, sometimes I feel like it's just a a, a fad. <laughs> yeah, but you yeah. know, I'm starting to see more and more of them. But it would require a pretty huge change in infrastructure too. Uh, exactly. Where do you see something like that going in the future? Twenty years away, at least. Yeah, and that's if sure. we make right. the massive commitment. Focus, to right? To yeah. Last year uh, at AAA Northeast, a bunch of us in the public affairs department were tasked with looking at various aspects of electric vehicles. Um, and their viability. Uh, it was my job to look at the grid, how the electricity is, dem- is generated that mm. will power your electric vehicle. And about 20 to 25% of all the electricity generated in the United States is generated by burning coal. Well, your electric vehicle is, is dirtier than your gasoline vehicle if you're, if you're charging it right. with electricity that's generated <laughs> by coal. The next highest amount is natural gas, Again, a greenhouse gas, not as dirty as coal. And then we go into nuclear. And a lot mm. of people think nuclear is environmentally friendly. Yeah. Ask the people at Three Mile Island and Chernobyl and mm. Fukushima if they think right. nuclear is economically friendly. Now, you can build nuclear plants that will never have an accident, but you will spend so much money in doing so that the mm. electricity that it generates will not be affordable. And so... Uh, electric vehicles would not be viable. Uh, the hmm. grid, the, the entire grid is not up to snuff. If you plugged, if we turned, say, if, we, if 20% of our vehicles were turned to electric, the grid couldn't handle charging them all up, particularly if it happened during the middle of a hot summer day when right. so much electricity is going to uh, air conditioning to keep sure. us cool. So wholesale changes that have to be made in the grid uh, and how we generate electricity, it's happening. You know, about every year we're getting uh, probably two to five percent greener um, mm. electricity generating uh, capacity. In fact, they are going to be building huge wind farms off the south shore of Long Island, I think, mm-hmm. beginning this year. 
the windmills are going to be four or 500 feet tall. They might be, I think, five or six miles out into the, uh, the ocean, mm-hmm. but you'll be able to see them because they're so yeah. tall. You know, we need to do more of this. We need more solar. We need more wind. But as a buddy and mine in the hood said, well, what happened if the sun don't shine and the wind don't blow? What do you do? <laughs> and well, you know, then you have to have hydro. And we do a mm-hmm. lot of hydro in New York State. We get right. a lot of our power from uh, hydroelectric, from, uh, from waterfalls and yeah. those kind of things. So it sounds uh, like it'll, but, it'll be a hybrid that we need, a sort of a blend. There's not one answer here. Yeah, well, the Great American Road Trip will not happen by a, an electric vehicle anytime soon because right. the charging infrastructure isn't there. And you I did really- a lot of communication with Con Ed. They're, they're putting chargers all over the place. But those chargers, and you know, for it to be viable, they need to be at least 220, but 440 volt would be even better. And those chargers are expensive, you know, 10, sure. 20, 30, 50, $100,000. They need permits up the wazoo to get mm. them approved. And then you have to have somebody who knows what they're doing, install them. And, you know, 440 volts, it takes 700 to run a subway train. And now you got yeah. 440 volts down in your garage. When I was two years old, I stuck a straight pin in an electrical <laughs> outlet. If that had been a car charger, 440 volt car charger, that would have been mm. it. Yeah, You know, so yeah. there's the safety considerations. There's just a whole lot more work to do before these things are viable. Right now, they are urban vehicles. And Mm -hmm. if you've got a a 440 charger at home, that's great. Uh, You probably, you know, half hour takes you to recharge your vehicle at that voltage. Uh, If you've got 220, mm, that's going to be three or four hours. If it's 110, it's going to be nine or 10 hours to uh, recharge that vehicle. And then hopefully you have some place to recharge when at work or uh, where you shop. It's happening more and more. Or a really, not to really point. long extension cord. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, and then and then you know the, we would I was looking at it stories that uh, in winter time, you know your mileage your range yeah. goes down significantly if you put the heater on because that heat uses a lot a lot of electricity and now they say when the vehicle is charged up before you get into it you need to preheat it. So mm-hmm. there's there's systems where you can, you know, have all these systems going for the heated and all electric vehicles, all the seats are heated. The steering wheel is heated and you've right. got the normal kind of heat that blows out from under the dashboard and on the on the uh, the windshield, the defroster. But that uses a tremendous amount of electricity and ruins your mm-hmm. range and cold weather slows down the chemical reaction of batteries. So you get shorter range uh, right. in colder conditions. So you got a lot of things working against you. How about if we just rub sticks together? Yeah, you know, um, it's it's some sort of midway technology between Mm. what we have now and electric vehicles is what we need. And and like I was saying earlier, you know, those turbocharged small gasoline engine, turbocharged diesel engine, you know, we need to do a lot more of that in the interim before we go fully electric. But fully electric, like autonomous vehicles, 20, 25 years yeah. away. Let's talk a little bit about, which we haven't, the organization that you are with, obviously, which I think is a tremendous organization, AAA. Uh, I've been a member for many, many years. My, me too. I got my kids on board with that. Yes. Believe me, they, they've saved me a couple of times. One particular time I was heading to work at WNBC and had a flat tire in the Lincoln Tunnel at uh, basically 3 o'clock, 3.30 in the morning. Oh, and I was sort of like the Lou Gehrig of that morning show in a certain sense. And I say this not not to be braggadocious or anything, but I was coming all the way from East Brunswick, New Jersey every morning. 
and I never missed the start of the show ever. Good. For never you. overslept. Yeah. Nothing. Here I am in the Lincoln Tunnel now with a flat tire, and I'm I'm thinking, oh, this is it. The Garrick streak is going to end, or the or the yeah, Cal Ripken said. streak yeah. for the you know. You're, you're and, yeah, and I came upon this AAA driver actually at the gas station that I was able to roll into just outside of the tunnel. He was able to at least, I said, look, we couldn't get the tire fixed in time. So I said, just drop my car off at the press spot where I park on 6th Avenue and I'll get there in time. And I literally got to the show like five minutes before air. Only wow. time I ever appeared without makeup on. No, uh, but, but you know, he, he did save me and got me there. And I've, I've dealt with AAA on, on so many other things. Tell us a little bit about, number one, what you love about this job and, oh. and why you're involved with them. And you've been with them for so long. Newsday did a profile of me. Mm-hmm. And the headline is the road to a dream job because they had been seeing me for a while and they were still doing personal profiles of noteworthy people, if I'm noteworthy. Uh, on Long Island, and they interviewed me. And the opening line was, how cool is it that I can be sitting at my desk, reading a car magazine, and it's considered work. So, <laughs> yeah, I've, I've been crazy about cars as long as I can remember. My uncle was a hot rodder. And I was working with him, you know, when I counted my age in single digits. And, you know, we used to swap <laughs> engines and you know, go from automatics to manual transmissions and welding in clutch pedals and doing brake jobs, switching from drum brakes to disc brakes and all that kind of stuff. And I was always a big racing fan, Um, watching the Indy 500 and drag racing on TV. And I used to go to the drag races out in Cinema Riches on Long Island. Just crazy about cars, any and everything having to do with a car I was interested in. Uh, I went to graduate school. All my papers were about the car industry. And uh, I majored in marketing. I got an MBA. And any economy worth its salt makes cars or has a car oriented business. You know, they might manufacture parts as uh, many uh, Central and South American countries do. So just really crazy about cars. I worked in radio. I was always interested in the news, thought I wanted to be a news reporter. And then I, I was working at WBAI back in the 80s. Oh, wow. And got mm-hmm. to meet uh, TV news people and radio news people. And I'm like, mm, I don't know if I like this news business to be on the yeah. inside because mm-hmm. it was a grind, number one. Uh, like you say, the hours that you put in and when you have to travel, you know, it's it's just a serious grind. And, mm. you know, there were all these press releases coming across my desk and I'm like, hmm, PR. Back in the 80s, I was going to school, I was working full time and I was working at WBAI and I got sick. I was working seven days a week and I did that for like three months and I got sick. I was stuck at home. And I think it was divine providence because I saw a story. Bill Moyers had a program called A Walk Through the 20th Century and Hmm. he profiled significant people of the 20th century. And his profile that day, I was homesick, was of Edward Bernays. B-E-R-N-A-Y-S. And he's considered the father of modern public relations. Back in the 20s and 30s, he invented public relations and he's doing PR for um, major tobacco companies. And he's charging $1,000 a day to do PR in the 20s and 30s. Huge money. So I started reading about Bernays and about PR and I'm like, hmm, I think (laughs) I can do this. And uh, that's what I started. My first PR job, I was doing... uh, public relations for a small uh, community-based anti-drug organization in Southeast Queens. 
And we covered uh, Laurelton, Springfield Gardens, Rosedale, mm -hmm. Queens Village, and uh, doing PR for them. And it was pretty good. You know, I wound up getting a lot of uh, stories in the paper and on television and what have you. And then I went back to grad school and then I came out of, and I went to grad school in South Korea, by the way. I got a really? scholarship to, to go there. Yeah, that was just wow. wonderful, wonderful wow. experience. Uh, Korean people are warm and friendly and they mm. like to drink. And <laughs> you know, let me tell you, um, I would get, yeah, I'd get stopped on the street by perfect strangers and they'd want to practice their English and we'd right. practice it really? over drinks at the local, uh, what do they call them? Uh, not Kage, that was the store, so Soju. Oh, what do they call Sul chip, which is liquor Sul house. Ah, yeah, Sul chip. Okay. Sul is liquor and chip is house. So nice. I got my MBA and I came back and I was working temp jobs for a while. And then I saw an ad in the New York Times in April of 2000. Million member service organization needs PR professional to serve as spokesman, AAA. As soon as I read it, I knew it was mine. I knew it. And I sent in my resume and this, I had the interview within a, a week. I was working for AAA. Wow. And I discovered all that this organization does came into existence in 1902. So this year, in fact, this month, we are celebrating our 120th anniversary. Started as a confederation of motorist clubs because in 1902, to have a car, you had to be rich. But there were very few roads. There were a lot of draconian anti-car uh, laws. You had to have, in fact, you had to change your license plates to cross state lines. So they started off as an advocacy organization. And then in the mid-20s, they started the road service business. And they started in 1947, the AAA Foundation for Traffic Safety, which does pioneering research into uh, traffic safety. Uh, AAA was the premier race sanctioning body in the United mm -hmm. States. Indy 500 auspices was run under AAA. All sorts of racing came under uh, the auspices of AAA. And then in, in 19, uh, what year was it? 55, 56, a guy by the name of Bill France came to AAA and he had this idea for uh, having uh, like what might be considered street cars, stock cars engaged in a racing series and we blew him off and he started his own thing that became nascar kind of made a little mistake in that one Oops. <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah we used to oversee the uh the speed trials at bonneville the bonneville salt flats and then uh, the southern california timing association took that off till eventually we didn't uh oversee any racing at all but the road service department, everybody knows about that. But we are also a finance company. We finance mm -hmm. auto loans, home loans, student loans. We, of course, have the road service business. Everybody knows about that. Just so many things that, that yeah. we're involved in. I have a really dumb question, and that is the third A in AAA. Is it Automobile Association of America? Association. American Automobile Association. Ah. Yes. Yes. One of the other things I, I that, that I've used in the past, you can help actually plan out travel. Travel. Yes. If I say I want to go from here to here and do a family vacation, and and I've had the whole thing plotted out by AAA. Uh, you know, it's awesome. Yeah, mid 1950s, we started the uh, the travel department, the travel agency. We are one of the largest leisure travel agencies in the country. 
we produced the first roadmap ever made mm. in the United States. And it was mm. of Staten Island. <laughs> Believe really? it or not. Yeah, well, the first roadmap just... <laughs> was of Staten Island. And it was sort of like a, a pictogram. It would have, you know, the, the squiggly line and then a picture of a hotel and another squiggly line, picture of a general store or something like that. Um, we still are a premier map producers. And I'll tell you a little secret. All of our maps have something fake on them because people were copying our maps. And uh-huh. so we would put a fake something. Uh, at one time, it was a fake town in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> and a person got lost. They had our map and they're looking for the town and it didn't exist. Oh, so we had goodness. to change that. So now it's like a fake <laughs> hill or a fake mountain. That was- all of our maps have at least one fake thing on them. That's to distinguish them. I bet so the GPS people are scratching their heads. Hey, we're uh, at our two-minute warning, so we could talk to you all day because you've yeah. got such great stories. By the way, uh, our guest with a very mellifluous voice, Robert Sinclair of uh, AAA Northeast, and uh, he's just been talking with us about gas prices and there's so much more we want to talk about with you. And Chris, I think you'll back me up on this. We would like to extend the invitation for you to join yes, us. It'll be a part two. Yeah. No, I'm looking forward to it. I'm, I'm sorry if I talk so much. Not at <laughs> no, all. It's, not great, at all. it's great information. It's useful. Finally, we have somebody on that gives us useful information. So we appreciate every second of it. Robert, it's really my pleasure. Right. Thank you, you stay so well. much, Robert. Drive safely. Be well. And uh, we'll be in touch and we'll see you and hear you on media across the country. Well, thank you very much for having me. Indeed, drive safely, Uh, especially these days. Slowing down not only will save gasoline, it will save lives. So please do so. Well, he just doesn't disappoint. I knew he was going to be a great guest and really shed some new light on things that we haven't really thought a whole lot about and other things that we can't stop thinking about. Yeah, I mean, there was there's the obvious stuff that he did talk about, but I was really intrigued by thinking deeper into the whole concept, you know, of, of electric cars and them becoming the the main uh, type of automobile we will have. And then the reason why that's so difficult, you know, it, it sounds cute. Oh, you plug in your car, it gets charged, no fuel, the air stays clean. But how do we get the electricity? How is that generated? Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, that was really fascinating. And, and just building a grid like that and, and, the, and the things we need to do to really make the transition from fossil fuels to, uh, to, you know, there are no easy solutions. And this is part of why, you know, having guests who are in the know, uh, help you step outside your comfort zone and say, wow, you know what? That's, that's something I never thought about. Yeah. And, and like you said, there's transitions like this, especially big energy sources, which basically our lives, you know, revolve around when you make those changes, somebody, it's going to be much more difficult for some than others. And that's, I think, some of the resistance we have, you know, especially in this country, everybody still wants to keep living the way they're living and making the money the way they're making it at what they're doing. But that's going to change. There's no way around it. You know, there's no, there's no more uh, shoe cobbler, you know, for the most part, printers have, you know, the the local printer has gone away. The shoemaker's gone away. You know, these things existed. People, what about the hat industry? We talked about this the other day when people, nobody wears hats anymore. You know, things change and dramatically impact industry and somebody gets hurt and somebody's going to, you know, somebody's going to get hurt and or lose 
some of their income, obviously, when we finally make a more significant uh, transition to a different source of energy. So uh, it's a big topic. And I think he he really handled it well and informed us, you know, and gave us some food for thought. That's for sure. You remember, did he say that's 20 years away? He was he was guesstimating it, it's something right. that might be about 20 years away. But, you know, I wouldn't hold his feet to the fire on that because Lord knows in 20 years where yeah. we're going to be, you know, and what yeah. we're going to be dealing with. So it, it could be entirely different. But just his love. I'm not even his, sure I'm still going to be driving in 20 years. Well, so I just want to be I just want to be here in 20 years. Um, <laughs> but his, but his, his passion for, you know, just the auto industry and cars and listening to that from from when he was a child. And then also hearing that he was kind of interested in journalism and broadcasting for a while. Yeah. Multifaceted yeah. guy, really is. Yeah, I'm so glad we got a chance to talk with him, and uh, we'll have him back again for sure because uh, there are so many other things that you and I didn't get to address that we yeah. want to with mm-hmm. him, especially you know from a middle aged warrior standpoint of things like taking the car keys away from your parents because they shouldn't be driving mm-hmm. anymore. Yeah, uh, and I'm sure AAA has a program uh, that he can talk to us about because I think that's really important stuff. Yeah, I would I would say the only the only chink in his armor and flaw I could see was that he's uh, also a Met fan. Uh, other than that, <laughs> the guy yeah, was perfect. Really. Uh, yeah, he licks his wounds like we do. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Before we say goodbye, we want to wrap up because our last guest was sort of pre uh, lockout scenario for MLB right. being resolved. Now at this uh, time of our broadcast, it's finally being resolved, and we're going to play ball, and we're going to play 162 games, which is awesome. Unbelievable. I think. Yeah, yeah, unbelievable. I mean, we had to be stressed out for it, but uh, I, I'm looking forward to it just because it baseball just means spring and a new beginning and a new opportunity and getting out of this this dark cavern of winter. So I'm looking forward to baseball. So I'm, I'm excited that's been resolved. I didn't want that to drag on. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. No, and it was interesting to find out that he wears the stripes that we wear, being a Met fan and licking his wounds. Well, he's, he was also a Queens boy. So, you know, I grew up in oh, Queens, right. raised in Queens, and so was he. So, um, yeah. And on that note, uh, I guess next time around, baseball, at least spring training, will be starting. We've got a couple of other guests lined up. We don't want to give yes, away. There are, there are things also that are pertinent and evolving, uh, I think, to today as well, with the pandemic scenario starting to show signs of really shifting gears and staying in a particular direction. So yeah. uh, we'll, we'll be having those uh, folks on in a couple of weeks as well. Uh, that's it for me. Stay well, stay safe, stay smart and sunshine always. Hey, Chris, I'm Rick. Be good. Feel good. Thanks for being with us. And uh, please be sure to check us out and some of our older shows as well, which you can find uh, on the website. Uh, some of those shows are great and we really want you to, Take advantage of anything that's there that you might find enjoyable and educational. How about that? There you go. No begging. No begging at all. We just want (laughs) you to have a listen if you have the opportunity. And, of course, once again, this show, as most of them and pretty much all of them, are brought to you by BetOnline. Play us out.
thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.